Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Wednesday, September 16th, we are studying Proverbs chapter 12, verses 1 through 28. Solomon continues to contrast the way of righteousness with the way of wickedness, and the way of wisdom with the way of folly. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Luke Zimmerman. Pastor Zimmerman serves at Calvary Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Pastor Zimmerman, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Thank you, Pastor Apple. Good to be back with you. As we get started this morning, Pastor Zimmerman, the question of context really isn't the same when it comes to the book of Proverbs, especially this section. Things tend to jump around a little bit more than in other parts of, of the scriptures. But give us some introductory material. Remind us where we are in the book. What do we need to know going in that will help us with the verses we've got for today? Okay, well, that's a, that's a good, good way to start. Uh, it's always like you got to find yourself on the map, you know, it's like you right. are here, right? You know, yeah. I was like at the mall or at a national park or something like that. So we'll, we'll do a little bit of a you are here uh, with this part of Proverbs. So as we've been studying through the book, uh, our hearers probably recall that, you know, the book started with an introduction, uh, an introduction that kind of introduced the whole idea of what this book would be about. And, you know, it starts with this idea of uh, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, uh, the son of David, the king of Israel, and that he is going to be providing things for the readers so that they can get wisdom and instruction. Uh, they can figure out how to live in righteousness and justice and equity the simple people are going to be brought to prudence or, or wisdom. So, you know, there's going to be that great benefit if they would listen to these words. But as you then go past that general introduction, it appears that the rest of chapter one through chapter nine in Proverbs may have actually been an older book that Solomon was appending things too, which is not bad. Remember, we have the idea that Solomon uh, is given wisdom by God, uh, but we also don't want to discount the concept that he's been granted wisdom from his father, David. You know, I mean, it's, you can imagine if your father is the one who, whom the Lord used to, you know, inspire to write uh, those numerous psalms that we, we continue to use all the way to our present day, you have David, a man after God's own heart, who could actually pass down divine wisdom, the wisdom of righteousness in life, uh, as a father to a son, which is, of course, what every faithful father in Israel was, was commanded by God to do. And now Solomon, having received that, also having received the wisdom from God himself, is now passing on such teaching to another generation. 
So he finds himself in line with the previous generations doing that. And so you get to chapter 10 in Proverbs. And interestingly, when you read the first verse in chapter 10, it again says the Proverbs of Solomon. Of course, we encounter that in the very first verse of the book, but now you have it here. And that's a suggestion that perhaps this section, all the way from chapter 10 through part of chapter 22, are really the Proverbs that Solomon himself uh, provided, perhaps adding on to that previous set of proverbial wise sayings that may have been passed down to him. And so now in this great section of, of all these statements from Solomon himself, there are all sorts of little subsections, you know, kind of subunits. And Proverbs 10, 11, and 12 form one of those units. There's a lot of comparison in this part of the book uh, between two very different lifestyles. One that is the way of living for people who are righteous and wise, and the other being the way of living of the foolish and the wicked or the foolish and the evil. And in this kind of subsection of the book, you see a lot of proverb statements which show contrast between these two different lifestyles. So that each verse, if you will, will posit two ideas. They're about the same topic, but in that you'll have part of that topic described where there's a way of wisdom, things that you should be learning, should be putting into action, and then a description of things which are wicked and foolish, things that we want to avoid and we don't want to get trapped into doing. And so there's this highlighting the gap between wisdom and folly by posing these opposites in each proverb. Let's go ahead and see how that plays itself out in today's text. We've got 28 verses for our consideration today, Pastor Zimmerman, on a wide variety of topics. Sometimes they bounce around a little bit, and so I think we'll be doing a little bit of that ourselves as we discuss them. There are some general observations that we can make as well, though, as we go forward. So I'm going to read the first 12 verses of the chapter to get us started. This is Proverbs 12, verses 1 through 12. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is stupid. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices he condemns. No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. The thoughts of the righteous are just. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood but the mouth of the upright delivers them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. A man is commended according to his good sense, but one of twisted mind is de despised. Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, 
But the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Whoever is wicked covets the spoil of evildoers, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. That's Proverbs 12, verses 1 through 12. Now, Pastor Zimmerman, there's there's quite a bit of material there, but are there some general contours, sort of uh, big picture themes that we can pick up before we dig into a couple of them specifically? Sure. Uh, yeah, the first the first three um, verses are, are a nice little like uh, again if uh, a sub subunit I suppose right <laughs> a, a cluster within within this subunit that chapter twelve uh, finds itself and in those three verses there are some real very fundamental principles that Solomon lays out for us. Uh, some very fundamental principles that show the distinction between wisdom and folly. And so that's a good, actually, like, jumping off place. Because, you know, you can have, like, overarching things, and then after presenting that kind of cluster of overarching things, uh, Solomon can move then to a number of different topics um, which can flow from that. Mm. So if you look at the... The very first verse there, verse one, you know, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. There is a real critical truth that just jumps right off that first verse. Um, One of the big things we have to remember is that human beings, especially after the fall, but but even before the fall into sin, did not know everything. Uh, you know, uh, humans did not have the same knowledge that God himself had. And now, as we are dealing with humans in a fallen state, we talk about the fact that by nature, we don't really know God's will. We don't know what is truly wise. That's not something that we, that's not a knowledge that we naturally have. But it is a knowledge that can be conferred to us. The Lord can actually bestow that to us as we encounter his words, the truth that he expresses in the scriptures. And whether that's expressed in the scriptures as we just hear them read, or as we talk about them, or we're taught them by by others. Because that is a knowledge that we don't have by nature, it corrects us. It disciplines us. It brings us guidance that we don't naturally have. It sets us on a way. It's almost like we would, you know, left on our own, we would set our compass opposite God's will, opposite of God's righteousness, opposite of divine wisdom. But now when the Lord speaks to us, we have a changing, you know, a course correction, you know, a, a, you know, Steer the ship in a different way. And as we receive that, as we have that correction that God gives to us, we are being disciplined and we are also being taught what is right. We are being given knowledge of what God's will is, what is true, what is ultimately good, what is really what is really for human benefit, not what our depraved and sinful and fallen mindset would have. 
And so as the Lord works on us and the Spirit works in us as that Word of God comes, that is actually causing us to learn to be enlightened, to be wisened up, if you kind of want to put it in a, in a common parlance that way. But when we don't have it, if we don't receive that, if we, if, if we, if we hate such reproof, if we hate such steering, if we hate such guidance, we'll just be left stupid, as it's put in that... Um, ESV translation, or basically you're kind of left with the kind of the mindset of a beast, of an animal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, not even really truly human uh, as, as God would intend us to be. That really is a very fundamental part of the book of Proverbs, and especially for this section here in chapter 12 as well, to recognize that the Lord is conveying his wisdom, his knowledge, and just because of who he is and who you are, there's going to be discipline involved. There's going to be correction involved. And wisdom, wisdom receives that correction willingly and openly and desires that correction even to set it on that true path, whereas folly does the exact opposite. And and the 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 way it's translated in the ESV, you know, he who hates reproof is stupid, I think is is shocking enough to convey some of that same imagery that's there in the Hebrew about just sort of like a, a beast that can't understand anything. That really does set the stage for the rest of the wisdom that's here in this chapter. Solomon is is telling us, this is going to correct you. In wisdom, listen to it. Don't reject it. So, Pastor Zimmerman, with that foundation laid, uh, what are some of the topics of wisdom that Solomon's going to address here in these first 12 verses? Okay, so we're going to have to talk about, you know, uh, uh, how does one receive favor from, from the Lord? Um, how does one act so that uh, their way of living uh, endures? Um, so that'll be the couple of the verses that we'll see just immediately afterwards. Um, how, what type of spouses should we be looking for? Uh, we'll see that in verse four, uh, description of, of what type of, uh, what an excellent wife will bring uh, to her husband. Uh, we'll, we'll have a bunch of um, verses about life and work. Uh, later in the chapter, we're going to have a whole segment of verses about how our character is revealed in what we say and the consequences that come from what we say, how we speak, uh, how we converse, how, how we interact with other people using our speech. Because as humans, we've been given to speak. That's one of the things that, that makes us a, uh, a human being that, as God created us. So these are going to be kind of areas where there's going to be instruction given so that as we receive it, we might be able to live in this world in a more wise way, according to the will that the Lord himself has and really wants us to follow. Let's pick up the topic then that's there in verses 2 and 3, the matter of obtaining favor from the Lord. What is the wisdom that Solomon speaks there? Okay, so it talks about a, a man who is good 
uh, obtains favor from the Lord. And the real kind of question is how 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 does a man become good? That's going to mm, be yes. that's going to be a great that's going to be a great question. Yes. Uh, w- one of the things is going to have to recognize. Um, we're going to have to recognize the relationship between uh, being converted and faith and how that plays out. And then as we then strive to live according to the moral order that God himself establishes, Hmm. remember kind of the idea in the scriptures that is presented to us is because of our fallen state by nature, we don't really want to abide by the moral order that the Lord um, presents to us in, in his words. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just, it's just how much we don't even like the commandments because they, they like, you know, cramp our style, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, put it, to put it a little tritely, but, but you get the idea. It, they, they, they impede on what we by nature would want to do. Hmm. As we are brought, as we are reconciled, as we are brought back into good relationship, the right relationship with God himself, which is a divine work that God does for us. The atoning work is what he does for us. Also, that converting work is what he does for us. The enlightening is what he does for us. But it also has effects then in what we do. That's why we always say that good works flow from faith. As we've been kind of restarted, rebooted, regenerated, we are now given new inclinations, new spirit. We hear what God says in his moral order, and we say, yeah, actually, that is right. It not only is it right, it's actually right for me. It's not only right for me, it actually would bring benefit for me. So as we then are now re-motivated and set on this new way to strive to do what the Lord describes as good— we find favor from him. But when a person does not have that, when a man is full of evil devices, when, when, when there has not been that turning of a person, when there is that chasing after and that orienting towards all that is opposite the Lord's ways, the Lord's will, uh, the Lord doesn't just ignore it. He actually condemns it. He actually says, no, this is, this, is, this is not right. This is not pleasing to me. How many times where the Lord, we see in the Old Testament especially, but he, he talks about things being repugnant to him or abominations to him. And the Lord is not, you know, he's, he's not just using hyperbole there. <laughs> he's, he's actually speaking about what his character is and what his will is. And uh, how there are plenty of activities that run contrary to that. And so that, that one who obtains favor from the Lord, he is the one who is never to be moved in the second half of verse 3. His root, I mean, you get that imagery of the tree planted by streams of, of living water. He is never to be moved, whereas the one who has wickedness, he is not established. This is a theme we've seen in Proverbs before, and it's it's one that's throughout the Scriptures, that the true foundation, that which lasts, is found in Christ and his righteousness, and in the wisdom that is found in him, everything else washes away. That's exactly right. I mean, so, so Psalm 1 is echoed all through the book of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know— uh, that, that's one of the things that you can see it. And, 
And then when Christ himself teaches, and when he's bringing that, those words of wisdom, which, uh, you know, one of, the, in the, one of the great places we see it is like in the Sermon on the Mount, right, in, in Matthew's Gospel. And, and the way that Christ himself finishes that sermon is like one of those sermon conclusions that like our, our homiletics professors would have given us like an A plus for, you know, um, <laughs> of course they should, because it's from Jesus himself. That's right. um, but, but where he says, you know, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, you know, puts them into action, makes them their agenda. Right. And again, it's their agenda because because they've been converted, they've been regenerated, they've been, they've been made new by the Spirit. Everyone who hears those words of Christ and does them are like a wise man who builds the house on the rock. And that lasts, it endures, it, it gets through the storm that he says. But the people who hear my words and don't do them, they're like that foolish man who builds the house on the sand. And when that storm comes, it's knocked down. And that's really kind of, that's, it's a great echo of verse 3 that we see here. No one is established by wickedness, which would really be hearing even what God has said and doing the exact opposite. Because remember, God's words reveal what are good. Again, he's revealing his character. He's revealing his will in these words. And so no one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. Our Lord himself really echoes that in, in the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. I want to touch on verse 4. I, we're, gonna, we're, we're just going to miss certain verses. That's just going to be the reality of our conversation. But I do want to touch on verse 4 because it speaks concerning marriage. And in the first part of the book of Proverbs, chapters 1 through 9, the theme of adultery shows up again and again and again, which is, of course, a breaking of marriage. Here Solomon has some positive things, like the positive side. What does a good marriage look like? So I, I, mean, I think that's a, an important verse for us to catch here. What's Solomon saying about marriage in verse 4? Sure. So in, in verse 4, um, there's a description of a wife who is excellent. That, that's the way the ESV renders this uh, Hebrew term, uh, kail. Uh, the, of course, my Hebrew prof would just hate my pronunciation of that, <laughs> <laughs> which I have to apologize to Dr. Meyer for that. Um, um, but it's about the idea of strength or valor, uh, kind of like strong character, moral character, um, almost a bravery, if you will, because it's the same kind of word used often of like soldiers a man of valor kind of idea in, in the Old Testament often. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have a wife who is like that, she brings honor to her husband. And the honor is not really from what the husband has done, <laughs> other than he chose wisely. <laughs> uh, but but uh, honor being conferred because, because of what, what his wife is doing, how she behaves, how she acts, that, that the good reputation that she incurs uh, by her own acting uh, is now transferred to her husband, or, or really to her household. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't I mean, hear the proverb limited to the husband, but it would be the same thing um, even with like uh, excellent mothers bring honor to their children for that matter, too. But where that's not, uh, 
present, <laughs> where a spouse is acting opposite of excellence or, or opposite of this, this moral character or, or valor, um, it's bad. It, it, it erodes away her husband. Um, and, and you could think of it almost as uh, one of the commentators, as I was studying for this, talked about it, it's almost like a cancer in the bones is <laughs> a kind of a uh, way to almost like translate that rottenness idea. It, it wears it away. And we see this, unfortunately. We, we see this in, in marital relationships, especially uh, where either spouse um, uh, is not abiding by what the Lord has set out for, for marriage to be. And it's not demonstrating an excellence at all. And even where there might be one of the uh, spouses trying to, uh, they are affected by the other who, who, who is not. And so really one of the questions would be, you know, as people are evaluating individuals that they might be married to, uh, one of the key things here, I think the emphasis would be, what is the character of that individual? Which, which would be the, the question that you would ask before you get into the marriage, right? This would, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and, and maybe in, I don't think it's just the things in days past, but I, right. I think that would have been, been things that w- were kind of a constant, that the, that the reputation of an individual that you would know what would affect whether you would want to even enter into a relationship with them, right? let alone a marital relationship with them. Right, right. Yeah. And so, I mean, again, here, this is one of those examples where the word of the Lord is going to provide correction to what we may think on our own. Wisdom is going to listen to what the Lord has to say in terms of wisdom concerning matters like marriage and many other matters, as we will see as we continue here in Proverbs chapter 12. But we're going to need to take a short break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFO. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233, 800-843-5233. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, September 16th, and we are looking at Proverbs chapter 12, verses 1 through 28. We've got Pastor Luke Zimmerman with us. He serves at Calvary Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Before we get started on this side of the break, Pastor Zimmerman, it's obvious that we're not going to get to every single verse in detail, which our listeners know. I just want to remind you that if we miss one of the Proverbs in this section that you want to hear more about, you can give us a call at 314-996-1542. That's the listener comment line. Leave us a message. 
with the proverb you want to hear more about or send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org and let us know the proverb that we missed that you want to hear more about. And there will be bonus podcast material that will be put out. We'll just record these five-minute segments or so on one specific proverb that you want to hear more about. So if we miss something, please let us know that you want to hear more about, and we'll do our best to get more material out with one of our regular guests in these short bonus podcasts that you'll be able to catch on kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. With that, Pastor Zimmerman, we've got a few more verses here. We can't cover them all in depth. Verses 5 through 7, you get this progression of thoughts, words, deeds, outcomes, I think that we've seen elsewhere in the book of Proverbs. Verses 8 through 12, you know, cover a variety of topics. One that stands out to me, and you feel free to, to comment on any of them as you see fit, but one that stands out to me is there in verse 10 where it says, whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, that that even the way that we treat our animals is something that the Lord cares about, something that he's got wisdom for. Wait, take a few minutes here, Pastor Zimmerman, and, and highlight a few things in this section. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. Verses 8 through 12 are kind of talking about some things that deal with like life and work, and you have to remember much of the life and work of people in uh, ancient Israel would be agrarian, a lot of farming. Um, and if it's not farming, you might have people, um, you know, trading or transporting things. And one of the ways in both those fields that, of, of work that, that you would see the use of animals. You don't have the John Deere tractor like we have in our day, like my grandparents had in Indiana. So one of the big kind of things is the life of the beast, the life of your animals are part of the way that God is actually giving life to you. Remember, we see that in uh, the catechism, right? He gives us land, animals, right? Uh, as a way of sustaining our living here on earth. And we were to receive them as gifts. And as people, again, going back to creation, going back to Genesis, as individuals, as humans are supposed to have dominion over the animals, they are standing as God's stewards, as God's managers, you know, uh, God is the owner, and, and we are, you know, we're, we're kind of the chief managers here on earth. And in our management, we're supposed to reflect the character of the owner, right? Being a manager doesn't mean you get to run everything the way you want. You're supposed to run it the way an owner does, wants it to be run. And so even here in, in, in verse 10, you have the idea that the righteous person, that the, the, the righteous person who would be acting according to God's ways, God's will, the one who provides what? Who provides you know, food for the sparrows and the birds of the air, right? Um, will also reflect that in the way they treat the animals, especially the animals that are instruments that God is using to provide life for them. But you compare that to the wicked, who even their attempts at compassion or, mer or mercy, what they might call that way, end up being um, just expressions of cruelty, expressions of unrighteousness, uh, not, in, not in line with God, uh, who, who is gracious and good. So it's, it's just interesting there that you see something like that in verse 10. I think, I mean, I would tie it also to not only the first article of the Creed, but also then the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, that, that God is giving us all these things even before we pray for them, 
But when we pray the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread, he invites us to receive them with thanksgiving. And and this verse 10 would be an example of that thanksgiving, that that you would have regard for the life of the animal that God has given to you and, and receiving that daily bread with thanksgiving. With Absolutely. That, yeah. yeah. And it's a recognition that, that that God is the giver. That's, That's right. That's the key. That's the key for the righteous person. He knows that. Whereas the, the unrighteous actually doesn't. Or exactly. Doesn't, doesn't welcome it. And that, that fear of the Lord then, I mean, this just to tie mm-hmm. it back, right, to, to Proverbs 1, that fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. And all of it is flowing, true wisdom flows from that fear of the Lord. So with that, let's keep reading here in Proverbs chapter 12, verses 13 through 28 through the end of the chapter. We're going to encounter the theme of speech, which is one that we've seen in the book of Proverbs previously. Solomon hits on it again. Proverbs 12, beginning at verse 13. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil but those who plan peace have joy. No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. That was Proverbs 12, verses 13 through 28, the end of this chapter. So, Pastor Zimmerman, the great majority of these verses, beginning at verse 13, not all of them, but the great majority, deal with the topic of speech. Get us get us started into that conversation. Sure, yeah. Uh, there are really kind of four uh, pairs or statements which are highly about speech. I want to try to draw out to, a, a, as you read them. The first one is in verses 13 and 14, kind of how this speech idea is introduced. And it talks about the evil man being ensnared by the transgression of his lips, meaning being ensnared by the, by the sin um, that he speaks, you know, speech being used in, 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 in sinfulness, but the righteous escapes from trouble. Uh, we find people who are evil get caught up in speech that is also evil. Whether you want to talk about that in terms of encouraging actions which run against God's will, uh, lies, deceptions, uh, the, the, the tangled web that they weave when they first deceive, you know, in, in that way, in, in, a, in a, a, modern, a modern proverb, if you will, yeah. which is... Yeah. <laughs> you can kind of see it in, in verse 13 there. <laughs> um, and and this, is, this is the thing, that 
as as regenerated people, as people who have been made wise because they've been converted, enlightened, the spirit's working, our speech now can actually be what is true and good and virtuous and right. That 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 is that is something that we've been given as a gift from God Himself. Um, but speech can also be used for all the opposite of that. And when it is, you will find people who are evil being caught up in what they say, um, caught up in, in the statements they make, caught up in falsehoods again, caught up in um, when, when they want people to, you know, kind of uh, want people to do things which are wrong. And then they're, I mean, we even have that, right? We, we even have uh, crimes for what, like inciting riots and sedition and things like that, even in our, even in our civil law. Uh, and that and that's what Solomon is mentioning here. Hmm. I, I would I would connect verse thirteen even back with verse six from the previous sure. section that we looked at, and and to make this just note of the progression in verse six, the wicked are using their words to lie in wait. You you, you use that that modern proverb of of weaving a tangled web. So so their thought is to weave this web to entrap others. But by the time you get to verse 13, it is actually the evil man who is ensnared by his own words. He ends up falling into the trap that he has made. Whereas, you know, in verse 6, the mouth of the upright delivers them, and in verse 13, the righteous escapes from trouble. It is the, Mm -hmm. the words of the righteous, the words of the wise, whose words are going to be shaped by God's own words, those words actually, it's not that they don't trap, but they actually set free. There, there's a positive action to the words of the wise. They, they actually set you free. They deliver you from trouble. Yeah, they, they do. And, and we can think of that in, in, in maybe two ways. You can think of it as, I mean, the, the, the real words, the forgiving words that actually, you know, yeah. uh, set us right with God. Then, then also the words that give us guidance and direct us into what is the right living. That, that God wants us to have. And, and that's actually echoed then in that next pair in verses 15 and 16. Because um, it, it, the next couple of verses, verses 15 and 16, are also not talking about necessarily the people talking, but how you receive talking, how you receive speech. Mm. And, and so when you have teaching, which God is giving, the, 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 the righteous words that will bring you out of trouble, take you away from trouble, lead you on the, on the right and solid path that he wants you to follow. A person who is wise will listen to that. They, they will be guided by it. That goes all the way back to that first verse that started the chapter, right? You're not going to be one of those beastly, stupid people. <laughs> but when you speak that... When you speak what is good, um, the foolishness of, of, of a person or a foolish person hears it and they get mad at it. They don't, they, they, they're, they're unteachable. They, they, they don't want to be corrected. Uh, uh, and in fact, even if you bring uh, correction to a person who, who, who could use it and, and they won't recognize the, the, the wisdom behind it, they, 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 they get kind of 
really angry, <laughs> upset. I don't know if you've ever ever had to give correction to someone, but some or or receive it. <laughs> but that that's a common reaction that we see. Who who are you to tell me, right? Mm. Um, uh, what do, what do you know? And it'd be like, I'm just kind of sharing with you something that would actually bring you out of this. And and the wise man listens to that advice, especially especially when that advice is not just like practical ideas, but it is advice which is rooted in God's own truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if you have kids or if you've been a kid, you I think you know how this how this works in terms of the ability to listen to advice. When when I was a child, I know I was not very good at listening to my parents' advice as I as I should have for for multiple reasons. And and similarly when you've when you've been the parent speaking to your children, you've experienced that where where there where there's not always that willingness to listen to the wisdom that's being conveyed. Uh, one of one of the things I, I think that's that's even more telling is when you put fifteen and sixteen together. So the the wise person listens to advice that is that is given in a helpful way that is true wisdom, and the wise person in verse sixteen is also able to ignore an insult because sometimes when a person seeks to give advice, there ends up being an insult, and maybe it's maybe it's even intended, but the wise person is able to ignore that insult, whereas the foolish person won't listen to the good advice, and then. He's vexed by the insult. That vexation is known at once. As soon as he detects that insult, he is quick to jump on it and to be offended by it. So I mean, it's like there's a it's it's a double effect. Those two things go together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They they are they are they are tied um, just as they are presented back to back by our our wise teacher Solomon here. Yeah. So the, the next series, or, or I guess it's more than a, a pair, it's a series, is in verses 17 and 19. Yeah, 17 and 19 um, kind of seem to have a background of, of kind of the legal system or legal proceedings. And of course, the legal proceedings back in ancient Israel were not, uh, they don't have all the code of procedures like we do in our criminal and civil courts here in the United States. Um and of course, you didn't have a lot of the idea of, um, you know, you, you, you don't have like CSI Jerusalem either, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, so a lot of things based on the evidence that is being put in uh, into proceedings is just verbal, verbal testimony. But e- I mean, quite quite honestly, even today we we have so much of our procedures uh, and trials are are um, affected by uh, eyewitness testimony or the testimony of, of, of other witnesses or experts um, and, and not all the forensic stuff. And so here, uh, a person who speaks the truth, I mean, a person who's kind of like rooted in truth will also give honest evidence. A person who's kind of like a habitual liar, false witness, uh, will utter deceit. Um, and they kind of say habitual liars make great perjurers. And I think that's even why you see in our own, you know, you know, trial procedures where like the 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 record of um, a, a witness can be brought in to like counter their um, kind of trustworthiness at times. 
keep keep going pastor pastor oh, zimmerman sure. just i mean well because we've got about sure. 10 minutes and and i mm-hmm. know there's there's a few sections in here that's verses 17 through 19 there's a few sections in this that don't deal with speech at least not directly uh, where where do we see those okay so we we see those uh verses 20 and 21 is an idea of uh things which are are not maybe directly connected to speech itself where it says the seat is in the heart of those who devise evil but those who plan peace have joy no ill befalls the righteous but the wicked are filled with trouble and um you can kind of think of this uh, of of evil people will often kind of delude themselves into thinking that their plans are going to end up being successful. <laughs> you know, yeah. they've always got the greatest schemes, right? They, 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 they have this, um, but when their plans actually fall apart or rebound against them, they end up suffering. Uh, especially when they were trying to have something that would have, that would have benefited them at the detriment of someone else. And when that plays out the opposite way, they themselves are harmed. But a person who's good, uh, a, a person who is trying to strive for the common good, uh, planning peace, not, not planning harm, um, who, who wants righteousness to be seen, uh, will often enjoy the well-being that they help to achieve. That even when we strive to help others, benefit we often benefit ourselves and that's and that's one of the nice kind of things about where, where we see that acting um according to god's will and ways um can have that consequence of yes i did something for for my neighbor to be helped but I find that the Lord also is extending help to me or benefit to me by this. Yeah, in, in the chapter we looked at yesterday, eleven seventeen, a man who is kind benefits himself. That's, it's not that that kindness is done for the purpose of benefiting yourself, but that is the way that the Lord in his grace gives and works, that as we listen to his word and do what his word gives us to do, we experience joy. We experience peace and benefit ourselves as well. Now, having said that, and then verse 21 comes along and says, no ill befalls the righteous, which is, well, how is that true, Pastor Jerome? Because I know a lot of righteous folks, a lot of Christians who do experience ill. So how is, how is sure. that true? Okay, so that's a, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good thing. I think perhaps we want to take a look at this at, in contrast to the second half of that verse. Because remember, these are kind of pairs in each, in each verse. So you have like the thesis and antithesis in each one. So if you have the wicked being filled with trouble, the wicked are filled with trouble in multiple ways. Yeah, they, they can be filled with trouble in the sense that, that, that they're, you know, the things they kind of plan or the actions they want to do might not actually work and it, it might harm them in their lives like that. Um, they're also, they're also full of trouble in the fact they are outside of God's righteousness. They're, they're outside of God's uh, favor. Uh, whereas the righteous person is in line with God's favor. Does that mean that they might not be victimized in this world? No. But we also know 
And this is part of the wisdom that God gives to us as he reveals what is true, what is actual, what is real, is that this lifetime isn't it. This, this lifetime is, is, is not all there is. There is that life of the world to come where our Christian hope is focused, where our, our, focus, uh, our hearts are focused because the Lord um, is extending to us that great fate that we will be brought into the new heavens and new earth. Um, and that's something we know. It's a bit of wisdom, and uh, it's not just a bit. It's like the, you know, it's like a diamond being a bit, right? right. You know, it, it is the most valuable bit that, that we have. And that ultimately, that's where you'll see that, that no ill actually does befall the righteous uh, when it's manifested uh, and made real in the world to come. Right. I mean, this is, this is one of those spots where you see Solomon's faith in the resurrection of the dead, coming through in the wisdom that he writes. It's, I mean, it's there in the Old Testament. It's even here in the book of Proverbs. How can it be true that no ill befalls the righteous? Certainly there are temporal benefits to righteous living, to the good deeds that God gives. But ultimately, the reason that no ill befalls the righteous is because on the last day, God raises those who are in Christ from the dead. And that's that's what you see here from Solomon. Uh, Pastor Zimmerman, we've got about five minutes left, mm-hmm. and and the, the matter of speech really concludes about verse 25, and then verses 26, 27, and 28 uh, pick up a few different topics. There's a little bit of, of difficulty with, with some of the Hebrew, and I know some of that gets kind of technical. Uh, maybe give us just a couple minutes on those last three verses, but I want to save like a, a minute or two to to draw this toward Christ and the faith that we have in him. So okay. give us just a couple that, minutes sure. on the last verses. Sure. So the, the last three, are they're not necessarily related as tightly as some of the others. And so you have some, uh, some statements which are really kind of talking about, um, like in verse 26, uh, uh, the fact, the fact that, that righteousness, the Lord's righteousness, is a guide. And, and so, and so, when we are having a, when we are uh, abiding by that, uh, we are being guided by God Himself, uh, guided into what is good and right, what's holy and just, and and endures, and ultimately is eternal. When we're talking about faith itself, uh, but the way of the wicked is going to take people away. It's going to take them into. It, it's going. Uh, it's going to drive them into the ditches that we don't want to go into. Um, leading us astray, kind of like the sheep that wander out and um, potentially won't be found and gathered back. Um, the second uh, in that, in that uh, trio, in verse 27, talks about some of the ideas about laziness <laughs> compared to diligence. Uh, I mean, it's kind of ironic about the, the, lazy, the sloth or a lazy person won't even, won't even like cook, the, cook the, the, the game that he catches. I mean, it'd be like, you know, there's where you could be fed, <laughs> but they won't even do it. Whereas the diligent person is going to have um, uh, precious wealth. There, there's going to be the benefit in, in acting according to that uh, diligence. Um, and the last one that closes it out is the idea that in righteousness, there is life itself. And, that, and that's, again, righteousness, uh, life that's found in righteousness is yes, it is the temporal benefits, and we should never we should never undercut that. There are temporal benefits in following the Lord's will, 
but the ultimate life that comes in the path of righteousness is what our adherence to God and our trust in him will bring to us. And that's the, that's the everlasting life that he uh, has waiting for us. Mm. Yeah, that, that last verse might be the, the way, well, one way to connect this text to Christ. I mean, we've, we've talked about a variety of topics here today, Pastor Zimmerman, very down-to-earth, practical, day-to-day living stuff. How, how do we connect a text like Proverbs 12 to the fullness of Scripture, to the faith that is ours in Christ Jesus, with about two minutes? Okay, well, some of it would be the idea of um, how does Christ himself use speech? We see it from the examples that we have. The Gospels are so wonderful because they actually tell us the words and works of Christ. So we actually see him demonstrating some of this. Uh, how, how does he use speech? Does, does he use it to, to uh, kind of try to uh, have people not benefit? Does he do it... Um, to give honest evidence of what, what God is really like? Um, does he provide advice and, uh, and instruct people so that they would benefit from it? Or is he untruthful, deceitful, um, devising evil? So in some ways you actually see him, if you really want to see Christ, one of the ways we can look at him is that he is truly the wise man. Tr- truly, the truly the not fool, <laughs> the, the not fun, mm. not not unwise, um, or stupid like a beast in, in that way. And he obtains favor from the Lord by what he does. That's part of that active obedience that he does, right? And, and obtains favor. Uh, and what's even greater is he actually obtains favor, and then by his speech, giving what is true wisdom, allows us to share in that Lord's favor, even though we, by our own activities, clearly didn't earn it and have proven to be quite foolish throughout our lifetimes. Pastor Luke Zimmerman is the pastor at Calvary Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania helping us this morning with Proverbs chapter 12, verses 1 through 28. Pastor Zimmerman, thanks for being our guest this morning. Uh, You're very welcome. True wisdom is found in Christ. He is the one who is the wise man who has earned favor from God by his perfect life, death, resurrection, and it's all for you to give you the wisdom that is in him, the wisdom that fears God, finds salvation through faith, and receives it gladly. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.